you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church. Listen, church, we're going to jump back in. We're going to jump back into our teaching that we've been in, I guess, for the last several weeks, talking about the fear of God. Amen. The fear of God. And I'm telling you, this, I believe this is an amazing revelation that us as the church, us as the body and the church as a whole needs to grab a hold of them. And it's interesting. I'm seeing this starting to be spoken in all different parts of the world. You say, why is that? Because I firmly believe that this is the revelation that's going to tie the last 100 to 120, 130 years of things that have been taught around the world so we can receive this this anointing and the measure that God is desiring to put upon us, right? Because you say, well, man, I I love to hear about faith. I love to hear about healing. I love to hear about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We, you know, we, all, we the, the grace doctrine, man, these things are amazing. What about love? Listen, this is what ties all of them together. Amen. This is, this is a doctrine that, that ties them all together, amen, to where we can begin to flow with him and not get out of the boundaries. And th- this alone right here will keep us in, in the lane. It will keep us out of the ditches if we, will, if we will receive what the Lord has for us. Amen. You say, well, why isn't the church walking in the power that, that the early church did? Hmm? Why aren't we walking in the same kind of power? Yeah, we, we see healings. We see, we see amazing things take place. But, but, but if we can all be honest with ourselves, we're not walking down the street and seeing crowds of people getting healed just as we're walking by. Why are these things not happening to us? Why are they not happening through us? It's not because God does, it does, it preferred them over he prefers us. No, no, we're going to be the ones finishing up this thing. The same amount of power is going to have to have to come upon us as well. Why? Because the, the latter rains is coming. Amen. The latter rains is coming. This, the, 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 the latter house is going to be more strong. We see we got more revelation. We got more teaching than the early church even has. But we're not walking in the same amount of power. Say, why is that? Well, let me be honest, because the church is weak. Hmm? The church is weak. It's selfish. She's offended. Amen. And these things stop the glory of God to be, able, to be able to move through us. It stops his glory to be able to, to move through us. Amen. And for him to pour out his glory, if he poured out his glory upon the church like he did on the, <laughs> if he poured out his glory on us like he did the early church, I'm going to tell you, there'd be a lot more people dead than just Ananias and Sapphira. Why? Because we, we, can't, we can't handle. Why? Because we haven't postured ourselves into the same position that the Lord has. Why? Because listen, church, with the greater, where there's greater glory, there's greater responsibility. Just like where there's greater knowledge of the Lord, there's greater responsibility. You need to, we need to be mindful of things that we know. That's why we can say, man, I love a church like this that teaches. Listen, but church, you better be mindful coming to a place like this. Why? Because it teaches the word. And then you're accountable for the things that you know. But it's the same thing when power gets released. Listen, church, there's a great responsibility that goes with that power greater anointing. Listen, church, there's going to be a greater responsibility upon us, right? Now, listen, these things got birth, I, I guess, in me. It's been, I've been running over these things in my, in my mind and in my spirit for, for, for a, a long time now, but it was about two months ago, two or three months ago, I guess, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, I guess, while I was, I was ministering down in Dundalk. He said, it is time for us to redeem the words of the fear of the Lord. It's time to us redeem. It's time for us to take those words back, right? Because they're out throughout the whole world, the Old and the New Testament. They're all throughout the word of God. Why? You say, why do we have to redeem it? Because there's been a lot of confusion in the church here lately. We, we've had a lot of confusion in the last 20, especially in the last 20, 30 years. There's been a lot of confusion. And in our, and in our trying to posture ourselves to stay out of legalism, I mean, what, what have we done? We've entered just into lawlessness. So, man, I just, I don't want to be in legalism like there was in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. I'm not, I don't want to be in that. So what do we do? We jumped out of that ditch and we landed up in another ditch called lawlessness. To where sin's okay now. Sin's accepted in the church. These things are grand. You know, I had a, I had a guy talking to me the other day and he was like, he was like oh, you know, Ryan, I mean, what, what's the big deal on these things? You know, Jesus, he hung out with sinners. <laughs> yeah, he hung out with sinners for a purpose. Why to pull them out of that? Jesus is not infatuated with sin. 
Why? Because sin is what separates us from them, church. Hmm? Sin is what separates us from them. So when I say the word lawlessness, what, what, what comes up to you? What, 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 what comes into you? Because you know, I, I think most people, when I say even the word lawlessness, there's a lot of a cringing that goes on the inside of you. Say, oh, brother, don't you know? Don't you know, brother, we, we don't live under the law anymore. We're under, the, we're under this gospel of grace. Don't, don't, don't you understand these things? Well, firstly, let me say this. Before you can ever make that statement, you better understand that the law is holy. The law of the Old Testament was holy. It was perfect. It was righteous. It was in no way or no wise sinful. Huh? It did exactly what it was called to do. It did exactly what it was called to do. It was called to reveal to you that you are nothing like our God. We're not doing things that how he expects us or how he demands us to do things. And then what does it do? It revealed unto us the one that can bring us to him. The one that can, that can, uh, that can bring us back into this place of reconciliation. His name's Jesus. How many of y'all know the law? It reveals Jesus. Every single facet of the Old Testament law, it reveals Jesus. It's not evil. It reveals Jesus. So before we come and we start spouting off about the law, we, we better recognize what it is. It's perfect. Now, do we have to operate under it? Absolutely not. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled it. But it is perfect. It's putting your mouth on it like it's something evil, church. Because it's not. And secondly, church, we're going to have to for us to live our lives, yes, 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 we got to live our lives under the gospel of grace, under the grace of God, not under the merits that we can achieve by ourselves. Absolutely. But we got to understand what grace actually is. Grace is not permission to you for you to do it exactly what you want to do. That's not the, that is not the definition of charis. That's not the definition of grace. What is grace? It's the supernatural power of God. Freely given to us by Holy Spirit to do what? To do exactly what the Word asks and exactly what Holy Spirit leads us to do. Grace. God's empowerment. His power poured out upon us, right? But anytime we, anytime we step out of biblical grace and we begin to use grace to justify our own lifestyle our own sinful lifestyle. Church, we step out, we stepped out of grace and you've entered into lawlessness. Let me say that again. Anytime we allow the grace of God to justify our own sinful lifestyle, you've stepped out of grace, church, and you've entered into lawlessness. You've entered into lawlessness. Why? Because gr the grace of God gives us the ability to crush lawlessness underneath our feet to crush it, to where we're not under its rule, under its power anymore. This is what grace is designed to do. So what exactly is lawlessness? Many people say, well, lawlessness, what is this? Maybe it's like robbing a bank, right? Maybe, maybe robbing a bank, maybe adultery, maybe, you know, drink driving, maybe shooting heroin, maybe, you know, fornication. Aren't these things lawlessness? Yeah, yes. Yes, but they're a second, secondary consequence of what lawlessness is. What is lawlessness? It is that place that it postures us, it produces a rebellion in our life. Amen, to, to where we do what? To where we, to where we go against the things that God desires for us, against his word, to where we go against the heart of God, right? So what is lawlessness? It is the definition of sin. It is the definition of sin. It is... It is rebellion against what the Lord is asking you to do. Stepping outside of his laws. Stepping outside of the law of grace. Stepping outside the, the royal law of love. I mean, stepping outside of these things. This is what lawlessness looks like. See, see I started talking about these things. Now, how many of y'all know that there are laws in the Old Testament, right? Do you know how many there were? 613. 613. Now, how many of you know that there are commands, which you could say there are laws in the New Testament? You know how many there are? People say, oh, wow, 
I didn't know. There, 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 there's none of those in there. There's over a thousand. There's over a thousand commands given, given to us. Now, many of those are duplicated, so most theologians would say it is 600 to 800. Six to 800, as many or more than what was written in the Old Testament. Oh, come on, church. Why? Because Jesus gives us, he, he's the ruler. <laughs> he's the apostle and the high priest of our faith. He's the one running things. We're submitted unto him doing things how he desires for them to be done. And he gives us grace to be able to do it. He gives us his grace to be able to do it. You say, well, why are these things important, man? Why can't we just talk about destiny? Why can't we just talk about love, man? Why, why, why can't we just talk about power? Why can't we talk about some of these things? Because listen, church, you're never going to be able to walk in those things to the extent that Jesus has for you until you understand these truths, right? Until you fully receive his heart. Then this is when you're going to be able to walk in power. When you receive his heart, then, then you can actually walk in his love. Why? Because it's his love. It's his power. It's his grace. It's his faith. And remember, we're going to have to receive him, his way of doing things, his heart, if we're going to begin to walk in these things. You say, what, what do I mean? Listen, church, we're going to have to come to the place where we begin to hate the things that Jesus hates and loves the things that Jesus loves. Not separate ourselves and say, well, I know, Jesus, you don't like that, but I, but I do. So, you know, it, no, no, we're never going to walk in the fullness of what he has for us. We've got to begin to hate the things that he hates and love the things that he loves. Turn with me here to Hebrews, church. Let's go, let's go over some scripture here for a minute. Anybody like the word of God? I mean, I love it. I have a passion for it. Now, Hebrews chapter 1, I, I love this chapter. I could probably spend hours and hours and hours and hours on this. So let me just let me just try to pinpoint this here. Let's just start off here in verse 4. It says, being made so much better than the angels. Who is this talking about? It's talking about Jesus here. And being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance attained a more excellent name than they. You remember how he received this name? We talked about this when we talked about the name of Jesus, right? When did he receive this name as an inheritance? Not when he was born down here on this earth, but actually when he was resurrected, right? He received, God gave him this name. You are my son. And who I'm well pleased, he gave him this name as an inheritance. He says, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, You are my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will, I will be unto him a father, and he shall be unto me a son. And again, when he brings in the first begotten into the world, did he say, Let all of the angels of God worship him. And of the angels... He saith, who makes his angels spirits, or he makes them like wind and fire, and his ministers a flame of fire. So he says, listen, he says, you know, everyone's going to worship Jesus. He said, but, but what about the angels? What did he actually say unto him? Because see, what, what is the word doing here? Holy Spirit's showing you that Jesus is exalted above all things. He says, listen, Jesus is the one that's going to be worshipped, not angels. What, what did he say to angels? He said, they're going to be like a breath of wind. What? And I'm going to blow them on my people. Um, so they can be like ministers of flames of fire. He's talking about us there. They're there to help us. Right? He says in verse 8, but unto the Son, he said, thy throne, O God, is forever. I like that. He didn't say son. He says Thy throne, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. You have loved righteousness and you've hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above all thy fellows. How has Jesus been crowned King of kings and Lord of lords? How has his throne been established in eternity forever? It talks about it here in verse 8 and 9, right? It says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. It has a scepter of righteousness as the scepter of the kingdom. The staff, the rod that he carries in his hand, it is righteousness. It's righteousness. Now, you'll notice that there's, righteousness is used twice here. Right? Once in verse 8 and once in verse 9. They're two different Greek words here. Right? The, first one is, uh, the first one here in verse 8 is the Greek word uh, euthetes. Right, and it, and it means, according to the lexicon, uprightness, straight, uh, straight, 
completeness, complete justice, literally without deviation. So what's he saying? The scepter of the kingdom of God is righteousness. It has no deviation. It cannot move right or left. There is no bend in it. It perfectly fulfills everything that the Father desires. It is a scepter and a rod of righteousness, complete justice. This is who our God is. This is what, he, this is what Jesus is holding in his hand as king, right? This is what he's holding in his hand. Now, how did Jesus receive this scepter? This tells us here in verse 9. For you have loved righteousness. You've hated iniquity. For you loved righteousness, as the Amplified says, you hated lawlessness. You hated lawlessness. Now, this word loved righteousness, this word righteousness here, this is the word that we, that we see most of the time in the New Testament regarding righteousness. It's, it's dike sune, right? And it means, according to the lexicon, justice, justness, righteousness, righteousness, which is of God as the author of the source, right? Divine righteousness, which can only be received by God. See, see, this is what it's talking about. It's according to 2 Corinthians 5.21, that he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God, that we might be, uh, we might be made the dike sune of God, that we might receive the righteousness that Jesus had. Why? Because it's his righteousness. You can't get righteousness outside of him because it's his. It comes from him. He took upon your sin. So why? So he could pour out his righteousness upon you. You're no longer a poor old sinner saved by grace. You are the righteousness of God if you're in union with Jesus. This is who you are. Why? Because he poured it out. It's his. If you're in union with him, there can't be anything other than righteousness on the inside of you. It can't exist because it's his righteousness. It comes with him, right? Now the lexicon goes on to define this as a divine judicial approval. Divine judicial approval. Now this is where, this is where a lot of the church, when, we, when you ask somebody, say, what, what is righteousness? They say, oh, it's right standing with God. They get it because of this definition. It's just right standing with God. Right? But righteousness, I'm telling you, has a superior posture, amen, than just right standing with God. You say, what is it? It's right relationship. It's right union with God. And when you get in right relationship, you get right union with God. What happens? You become right standing with him. Right? But it's a consequence of the union that you've come. Why? Because it's his righteousness. Right? Now listen, church. Every believer... Every believer, everyone seeking out the face of God, everyone desiring him, they believe and they desire in right relationship with the Lord. If you don't desire right relationship with the Lord, you're not a Christian. Can I just tell you that? See, see for you to recognize something wasn't right and that you need or the reconciler in your life, that you need to be made one and whole with him. Listen, if you don't have that desire, you're not a Christian, number one. You're in religion, Right? So every Christian, every believer, everyone that's following Jesus has a desire for this right relationship. We all have it. Everyone has that. This is why we come to church, isn't it? And then we come here to worship who? Him? Not here to check off the box. And we come here to worship Him. We come here to, because we love the Word and we want that Word to come in and change us. We come here for, for his spirit to begin to mold us. I mean, we come here to, to hear from him. We come here because we love his benefits. We love, we love what we get from the relationship with him. We love this. Why? Because we love him and we love righteousness. We love relationship with him. Right? But listen, church, the, the verse didn't stop there. He says, Jesus, you loved righteousness. You loved it. You loved it. You're infatuated with it. You loved it. But he also hated iniquity. He hated lawlessness. He says, you loved a right relationship with the Father, you, but you hated. You hated lawlessness. Not only did Jesus desire to be completely unified with the Father and Holy Spirit, hmm, but he hated everything that was opposed to it. 
He hated everything that divided. He hated everything that that separated man from him. He loved union so much, church. See, this is where we got it. We got to grab a hold of this. Jesus, he loves union with the Father so much. He hates sin. He hates it. Why? Because it's the divider. It's the divider. Sin is a wedge that separates. It's 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 not a wedge that unifies. It separates. It's something we place in between us and the Father, us and Holy Spirit, us and Jesus. Amen. That brings forth separation for us. God's not putting it there. No, we do. We put it there. Why? Because we choose the world's way. We choose Satan's way over his ways. Hmm? You still with me? So my question is, church, do we as the body of Christ, do we as Island Church, do, do we love righteousness enough Do we love being in right relationship with Jesus? Do we love it when Holy Spirit shows up? Do we we love that relationship so much that we hate sin? We hate lawlessness. We hate what divides us and him. Do we do that? Do we hate that? Church, that's the fear of the Lord. That is an attribute of the fear of God. Not that you're scared of the consequences of God. Lord, Lord, we need to redeem that word. Now we're scared of the consequences that God's going to harm us. No, no, we, no, we're the church. We've received love. We received love and we know there's no consequences in that. We're not scared of the consequences. We're scared of being apart from him. See, if you're not scared of being apart from him, you're not scared that, that hey, I'm telling you one of the things that have been, that have been stirring in me here lately is the glory of God's been coming in these church services so strong. I'm like, Lord, 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 I can't, I can't have less than that. And it starts getting an anxiety, like a fear on the inside of me. Because, Lord, I need you in that amount every single service. Every time we come into contact, I need that. I'm in fear that it won't show up like that. I'm in fear that that's not going to stop him from coming in. Fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord. What does 1 John 4, 18 say? For there is no fear in love. For perfect love cast out all fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, it casts out all fear because fear has torment, right? And he that fear is not made perfect in love. If you have a fear of consequences from God, listen, you're, you haven't received his love yet. You, haven't, you don't have a full revelation of that yet. That's not, that's, not, that's, not, that's not the direction we're talking about. We're redeeming that, right? We're redeeming that word. For fear is not being afraid of God. It's fear of not being as intimate with him as he desires to be intimate with you. Does anybody feel that? Hmm? I fear the Lord is, is you not stepping into intimacy like he desires. I, I find in church, the more I step into intimacy, the more intimate I get with Holy Spirit, the more I find I hate things that he hates. Hmm? See, there's a lot of things I used to be able to tolerate. There's a lot of things I used, to, I used to be able to allow to be around me, and it didn't bother me. I mean, there's TV shows, films, there's music that, that I can allow to be played in my presence, and it didn't really bother me that much, but, but now I can't stand it. Why? Because I sense the grieving of Holy Spirit on the inside of me. I can't stand it. You say, man, hatred sure is a strong word. Well, let me, let me be absolutely clear with you. When I say hatred, I don't mean dislike. Hmm? When I say hatred, I don't mean I disapprove of it. When I say hatred, I don't mean that I love it less than something else. I mean that I'm absolutely repulsive. It's absolutely repulsive. It's a repulsive hatred that gets to be stirred up on the inside of me. I hate it. I hate it. Why? I find the things I find that I hate the most are the things that he pulled out of me. Hmm? I'm telling you, I hate pride. I don't dislike it. I hate pride. Why? Because I probably had more pride in here than every one of you guys mixed up. All you guys added together, I probably was full of more pride than you. I'm telling him, he started ripping that out of me when he started showing me things that, you know, if you want my anointing, if you, if you want to be, have intimate with me, you're going to have to get rid of this out of your life. I mean, I begin to get, 
it began to be detestable to me. Enough to the point I don't even say proud. You know, see, the world nowadays, we use this word proud all the time. Oh, I'm proud of you, bro. Man, I'm proud, I'm proud of the church. Man, I'm proud of you, son. I don't, I, you'll never hear that word come out of my mouth. Why? Because I'm not going to take credit for anything God's doing in your life. I hate pride. You know, one of my, my little cousin, he came, to, he came to work for me. He's about probably 12, 13 years younger than me. And he came to work for me years ago back in the States, right, right when I was getting lit, getting pushed forward to the things of God. And, and he came there. He got saved. It was, it was amazing. And we'd sit there and have long conversations about the things of God. And one day we're sitting there and it was dark outside. And he was like, he was like Ryan, he goes, how come, you never, how come you're never proud of me? He goes, what, what, have I done something that's disappointed you? Why, why aren't you proud of me? I was like, son, I love you so much. I'm so thankful for you. I delight in you. I delight in the things that you're doing. I'm thankful for you. But I will not take credit for what's going on, what God has done in your life. I will refuse to take credit. I hate pride. But see, sometimes these words that we just throw around, and it's just such a normal word to be used nowadays. That people start taking offense when you're not even using it. I'm telling the church, we need to start circling ourselves and get back to the church culture. And then start allowing the culture of this world to come on the inside of us. And I'm telling you, church, I hate pride. I hate manipulation. I hate a manipulating mouth. Why? Because I had a great manipulating mouth. I was a professional about getting people to do things they didn't want to do. Why? Because this, this is how you make sales. This is how you do things. I'm gonna, I'll manipulate you, and I'll manipulate you, and I'll get you to do something, even when you just told me five minutes ago you'll never do it. Now you're signing the contract saying you'll do it. Why? Because I'll manipulate you. I'm telling you, I hate a manipulating spirit. I hate a manipulating mouth. Hmm? I'm telling you, church, I hate lying. Even the little white lies, I hate lying. Why? Because if I couldn't manipulate you and get you what I wanted you to do, I could sure lie to you and get you to do what I wanted you to do. And I'm telling you, I could lie so good, church, I would believe my own lies. That's insanity. It's insanity. I'm telling you, I hate lying. You will never hear a willing lie coming out of my mouth. I'll tell you, church, you better be careful what you tell me. Why? Because I will sell you out. I will sell you out if it comes to giving you up or telling a lie. I will not lie. I'll, I'll sell myself out before I lie. Hmm? And years ago, listen, I, you know, I was sitting there and I used to do a lot of practices in business that, that weren't legal, that weren't correct. Why? Because I wasn't a Christian. And this is how I learned to do things. It was all about me. It was all about money. It was all about being successful. Amen. And how many of you know it was never successful until I started doing things the way God wanted me to do? But see, some of the consequences of the things that I did in the past, after I got sold out to the things of God, fooled the Holy Ghost, man, I, I, I was even in ministry at the time. And I had, I was sitting there in my office, and the Texas Rangers come knocking on my door, which is like the FBI of Texas. It's our, their own private private force. They come knocking on my door. Knock, 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 knock. Mr. Penn, we'd like to talk to you. I was like, well, come on in. Started asking me questions about things that were going on in the past years and years and years ago that I, that I was participating with. They said, you know what? We'd like to talk to you. Why don't you come on down to our station? I said, okay. When would you like me there? Monday. I said, okay. So I go home. I start talking to my wife because she had no clue the things I used to do. Well, what's going to happen? I don't know. I'm just going to go to We're going to go talk to them. Well, what can they do to you? That stuff was, you know, five, six, seven years ago. What could happen? I could, be, I could get put in the federal penitentiary, put in prison for it. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when they ask you these questions? Why? Because she knows my posture towards lying. What are you going to do? <laughs> I'm going to tell them the truth. I'll tell them the truth. I'm going to believe God that they ask me questions in a, in a certain way that, that I will be a benefit to them and I will not be the one that's, that, that they're looking at to, to, to arrest. Right? Because how embarrassing would that be? Hallelujah. Preacher gets arrested out of Brenham, Texas. Hallelujah. Hmm? 
So I set up, I go to their office. They're like, well, Mr. Penn, tell me about this, 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 and this. And I was sitting there listening, listening, listening. And finally I said, listen, guys, trooper, or not trooper, ranger, would you like me to tell you how these things actually happen? You want to know the loopholes of how these things are taking place. Because the way you're going, you have no clue. You're way off. And you're going to be going on circles forever. And they're like, yeah, will you do that? I said, absolutely. I'll tell you exactly how it's done. It goes by this. This way, this way, this way, and this way. I didn't sell out any of the people. But it happens this way, this way, this way, and this way. And by the end of the conversation, they're like, wow. They're like, man, you've been such a blessing to us. Thank you so much for coming in here. And, and, and if we have any other questions, do you mind if we call you? Absolutely. Absolutely. But church, we have to have that posture where we're, we hate the things that are deceitful. Hmm? Even if it costs you. Hmm? I'm telling you, I hate lying. Why? Because I'd be willing to go to prison for it. I hate it. I hate it, church. And I'm telling you, I can go on the list on this forever and ever. But listen, church, we've got to begin to hate the things that the Lord hates. But let me be crystal clear when I talk about these things so we don't jump out, of, jump out of the ditch of the fear of God and jump into another ditch, right? When I speak of hating sin, I'm talking about hating this, this sin, this wedge that gets in between us and God. I'm not talking about hating people, right? We got to differentiate between these things. Listen, God's not the one that places the wedge there. We are, but we're also the ones that have to pull it out. Amen. We got to be the ones that pulled out. We got to begin to choose his ways over the, over the world's ways. Listen, we don't hate people. We hate the sin that separates. We hate the sin that separates. You know, a pastor friend of mine, it's like story Sunday here. A pastor friend of mine asked me, you know, several years after, after we moved here, and he's like, you know, he goes, Ryan, what would you do if a homosexual couple, you know, comes to your church? I just got an email, and they're asking me, can they come to the church? And he goes, what would you say? I said, I'd tell him, come on. You're, 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 you're invited. We'll welcome you. Come on, come on into the house. And he was like, you'd say that? I said, absolutely I would say that. How in the world are these people going to get free? There's only one thing that can get people free is his word and his presence. And they don't understand that they're operating outside of what God has for them. But if they get underneath the word, they allow the word to go forth. Listen, it will change their life when they get into the presence of God. And he was like, oh, man, I've already told them no. And I was like, well, why didn't you come ask me then? He goes, well, I talked to three or four other pastors. And they all said, no, don't do it. And I was like, are you kidding me? We hate people because they're doing something that, that we don't agree with. I'm telling you, church, I could tell you stories about me. You would hate me for the things I used to do in the past. I just gave you a little taste of how crooked I was before I got saved. Huh? We don't hate people. We hate the sin that's separating them from a God that loves them, that adores them, that wants them. We don't hate them, church. We love them. I have friends, I have friends, I have sons in the faith that have stepped away from the things of God that are doing things that are absolutely repulsive, vile things. And they want to come around me like everything's grand, like they can hide this from me and I can see it all over you. Why? Because I got this awesome God with me. It's called Holy Spirit. And I can see it all over them. And you begin to give them a, a rebuke and listen, church, if you can't heed the rebuke when you're, when you're doing things that are outside of the things of God, listen, I don't necessarily want you in my presence. Why? Because it sickens me, the things that you're doing. It's like you're giving God the two fingers. Hmm? I'm telling you, I respect him. I honor him. And you won't be doing those things in my presence. Especially when you know better. Especially when, you, when, when we know better. Listen, we love for them. We pray for them. Hmm? Counsel them, do whatever they need. But I will not come into agreement. I'm telling you, there is a spirit that is among the church right now that is trying to get you to come into agreement with people's son. And I'm telling you, church, don't do it. 
Why? The Spirit, all it wants you to say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And church, it's not okay. It separates. But the whole problem is, is do we really hate the things that God hates and love the things that he loves? See, he loves these people, but he hates the things that they're doing. Hmm? I'm not walking around like I'm perfect. Listen, church, when God begins to reveal things into me, I get a disgust. How in the world could I? How can the world could I let something like this come upon me and separate me from Him? Man, now is, is this why that person didn't get healed? Hmm? Is this why this happened? Because I, I'm, I'm separating. Lord, please reveal. This this is my prayer. Reveal unto us the division, the divide between us and Him. So we can begin to do the things that He's asking us to do. We can do it with power. You know, two people have told, <laughs> it's funny since we moved up here. I've had two people tell, tell Kimberly, they said, man, we've tried out your church. But man, y'all are just too intense for us. I'm like, what? What does that even mean? I'm too intense? Like I always, like I always say, man, people used to love me so much when I was a heathen. But man, I'm way too intense for people now as a Christian. It blows me away. It absolutely blows me away. Why are we intense? Because we honor Jesus. We honor his spirit. We honor his word. I honor his commands very seriously. And I will not budge on them. I will not budge on them. Why? Church, I hate compromise. Now, we can compromise on the color you wanna, we want to repaint the walls of this church. Glory to God. We can compromise on that. I will refuse to compromise on the Word of God. I will refuse to compromise on what the Holy Spirit's leading us to do. Hmm? See, religion that's told us, I hate these people. Hate these people. Was that really the heart of God? Oh, they're wrong. Hate them. Is that, is that really what God's asking us to do? I mean, what happened? Let's look at things through the word of God. What happened when Adam and Eve, you know, defiled themselves, you know, had a direct command they, they, they rebelled against from God. Don't eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then what happened? They ate of that tree. And then even when, when iniquity was found and they even blamed God, God came and said, why did you do this? And, and Adam's looking like, man, I, the reason I did this is because of this woman you gave me. If you wouldn't gave me her, I never would have done this. Man, it's amazing. It's like snapping your fingers and iniquity gets to the place where we're blaming God for the things that we're doing. It's crazy. Crazy. It's crazy. But what did God do? What God came. They sinned. What did God do? He came looking for them. He didn't run from them. He didn't open up the earth and swallow Adam and Eve. No, he came hunting for them. Adam! Where are you, Adam? Why? Because he wanted to redeem them. He's not looking to kill you, church. He's, he's, he's looking to fulfill you. He's looking to fulfill you. What does Romans 5, 8 say? For God demonstrates his love towards us in this. By what? While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus didn't, didn't wait till you got healed, perfect, and made righteous. No, Jesus said, while you are yet filthy, full of dirt, full of disease, full of nastiness, things that I can't stand that you've received willingly upon yourself, I'm coming down for you. Why? Because I love you that much. I love you. I'm infatuated with you. I want you. So I'm going to receive everything you have so I can cleanse you. I can perfect you. I can give you my righteousness. I'll give you light. I'll take your death so I can give you life. Hmm? I'll take your sin so you can be free. Not so we can participate with the world and its system, but so that we can be free from it. Are y'all tracking with me here? All right. Well, let me just, let me just talk about this for a second. And then I'll pick this up in this chapter next week. Go with me to James. James chapter 4, and we'll finish up on this. I mean, I know that James is the book of wisdom in the New Testament like Proverbs is the book of wisdom in the Old Testament. 
Right here in verse 1 it says, And from whence do wars and fightings among you come? Come they, come they not to you because of your lusts, that war within your members. He says, why doesn't this war and fighting, why do these things come among you? They come among you because of our carnal desires, because of our lust for, for respect, for, for riches and, and wealth. He says, you lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. You have not, why? Because you will humble yourselves, place yourself under, amen, the Lord, be submitted unto him, and you won't ask him. So what do you do? You go try to take something, rob something, steal something, manipulate and take it by force. But how many of y'all know what 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15 says? That if we ask anything, if we ask anything, amen, of the Lord, anything according to his will, he says that he hears us. And if he hears us, it says we know that we have all the petitions that, that, that we've asked of him. Meaning if you ask, if you, if you can submit yourself and get in line with his word, I mean, you can ask for whatever you want and you know his ears are open to hear you. What does that mean if you're not asking according to that, his ears are closed to it? But if you'll ask according to his will, he says he hears you. And if he hears your church, I promise you 100% of the time, you have it. You have it. Your eyes will get healed. You have a perfect pregnancy, a perfect son or a daughter coming forth. Everything will be perfected when we pray according to his will. Hmm? Verse 4, it says, you adulterers and adulteresses. Let me back up. It says, you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it, that you may consume it. With your own lust, you adulterers and adulteresses. Know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is that enemy. He is an enemy with God. So to be a friend, to be intimate with the things that the world is offering us, church, it says you're his enemy. See, it's, it's time for us to, to understand the heart of God here. Listen, church, if we prostitute ourselves out and become intimate with anything outside of God, he calls you not estranged. He calls you an enemy. You're an enemy against the king. You're not just estranged. You're not just separated. No, you know, you're an enemy when you decide to get intimate with anything of the Lord. Now, now I'll stop over with this one. Well, a couple more. It says in verse 5, my favorite verse here. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain that the spirit that dwells in you lusts to envy? I love this in the Passion Translation. It says, does the scripture mean nothing to you? Hey, I like to say this to the church sometimes. It's like, does the scripture mean nothing to you? It says the spirit that God breathed in our hearts. He is a jealous lover, desiring more and more and more of you. Does it mean nothing to you that you want to shack up with the world? Does it mean nothing to you that the spirit that Jesus himself breathed on the inside of you? He is jealous over you. He doesn't want just a piece. He wants all of you. He's jealous. He's hungering. He's thirsting for you calling you into intimacy, calling us into intimacy. Now jump to verse 8 and I'll finish here. Calling us into intimacy. It says, draw nigh unto God and he'll draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded, we got to stop being double-minded. And this, listen, this will fix this, I promise you, church, this is what fixed everything in my life. Drawing nigh to him. Just desiring to be with him. Just desiring to come near to him. And what happened, I found that he drew near to me. But listen, church, you've got to draw nigh to him first. You've got to come to him first. Why? Because he, he put the ball in your court. He redeemed you. He redeemed this whole world. He didn't fail in it. He redeemed it. You know, righteousness has been imputed upon all mankind, but for it to get imparted upon your heart, you have to draw nigh. You have to come to him. And then when you come to him, listen, he says, just come to me. Just come to me. I want you to just come to me. He says, you're going to find out I've already been there. 
I've been there waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. Draw close to me. He says, I'll change the way you view me. I'll change what religion has taught you. Just draw nine to me. Draw nine to me. He goes, and, you'll, and I will prove out to you, I will honor every single thing I've placed in my word. I don't, I don't pick one person or another. I will do exactly for you what my word says. Exactly what my word says. Just draw nine to me. He says, you'll find I've always been protecting you. I've always been protecting you. But draw nine to me. He says, you will indeed find that he's all you need, that he is all we need. But church, we've got to make that first step. Draw near unto him. And I promise you, church, he will draw near unto you. He will speak to you. He'll talk to you. Yeah, he'll correct you. He's going to love you. Hmm? He will perfect you as we allow him to keep on continuing to mold us in everything that he does. So does anyone desire? Is there anyone in here that desires more him? Church, you got to move towards him. We're going to have to move towards him. So let me pray. Father, Father, we thank you, Lord. Lord, we honor you. We thank you, Lord, for for placing the ball in our court, Lord. I thank you, Lord. We know that you desire us. You love us. Lord, your word is full of it. Lord, release a boldness on the inside of us, Lord, that we'll, we'll come seeking after you. We won't get offended at your word. We won't get offended at the way that you desire to do things, Lord. But we'll just come hunting after you, Lord. May we come hunting after you with the same passion you came hunting after us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you release the spirit of the fear of God among the churches. According to Isaiah 11, 2, release the spirit of the fear of God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the spirit of wisdom. We thank you, Lord, for the spirit of counsel and strength and knowledge Lord, the spirit of God in this. Lord, we, we thank you for all that, Lord, but, but release the spirit of the fear of God to we desire to be obedient to you. We desire to honor you. We desire to love you. We desire to worship you, Lord. Lord, that we have such a fear of being not as intimate with you that you desire to be with us. Teach us, Lord. Teach us, Lord. Or teach me. Lord, because we, we know this revival's coming. Lord, and we want to participate with it. Lord, we desire to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. We desire to have you know, authority over 10 cities, over five cities. We desire these things to be released to us. So fill us with the fear of God, Lord, so you can fill us greater with your glory. Lord, we honor you. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this church. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in me and in individuals in here, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your presence, Lord. It's, it's been unreal. The depth of your presence, the thickness of it, the breadth, the width, the length and the height of it as it comes into this room. Lord, we, we thank you for that, Lord. But we thank you, Lord. It is just a pinch. It's just a taste of the things to come. It's just a taste of the things to come. Teach us the fear of the Lord. Who is where these things don't harm us? To where you can pour out in the greater measure that you desire for us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, as we dismiss, Lord, the we take hold of the tradition of this church, Lord, in Psalms 91 that says that there are no evil befall us. Neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling place, Lord. For you give your angels, you give your angels her like, her like spirit, her like a wind, Lord, to breathe on the flames of fire, to, believe, to breathe upon your ministers. Lord, 
They protect us. They, they lift us up in their hands as we dash our foot against the stone. Lord, they're protected in the front, the back, the side, the side. Lord, we're protected by any means and modes of transportation we take. Whether by the seaways, the railways, the airways, the motorways, Lord, even down the walk paths. There is no wicked plan from a wicked man or the devil himself shall come against us or harm us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings you poured upon us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that this week we declare this week we will be a miracle in someone's life. We will be, we will be an answer to someone's prayer. Holy Spirit, lead us into, into that path of righteousness for your sake. We're so close in relationship with you, Lord, that, that we'll begin to speak when you say speak. We'll lay hands when you say lay hands. Lord, we'll turn around and go the opposite direction if you say turn around and walk away. We thank you, Lord, for the righteous labor of our hands. Lord, thank you, Lord, for our jobs. May they become our ministries. May we be a blessing. May they be blessed simply because we showed up, because the kingdom showed up. We thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for you. We walk out of here in faith and love towards you, walking out of here loving each and every person you've added to this family. Thanking you, Lord, for the ambassadors of Christ you've called each and every one of us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We are covered by the blood. We're empowered by your word, and we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.